0: Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Rights Life Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us in person today is our Education Events Coordinator, Emily Kroll. Emily?
1: It's good to be back. Welcome back. Yep.
0: The, uh, the... (laughs) Make maybe COVID positive, maybe not. We're not really sure, uh, Emily Kroll. Um, so, it's some funny challenges in the last couple of weeks? You know, coronavirus is still out there, and we're just making do. So, you were out for two weeks, mm-hmm. and um, I was uh, a little more than two weeks, and I was out for a couple of days for before uh, I didn't get a negative test. My wife got a negative test, so. Of course, that's a reality that we're living with, and uh, that's really complicated things for Election Day, which is next week Tuesday. Did you know Election Day was coming up? You know,
1: it just snuck up on me. I haven't paid attention at all, except for every second of every day for about four months, so I'm ready for it. (laughs)
0: So I won't ask you your prediction on who's going to win. I'll ask you a prediction on when will we know who won. <laughs>
1: um, I have a hopeful prediction and then the realistic, in my head, realistic prediction. My hopeful prediction is that we will know on election night when the polls close and report in. Um, if it's 2, 3, four o'clock in the morning, I'm okay with that. My realistic prediction is I would be surprised if we have a definitive result within the week.
0: Ah, uh, so you probably I don't want I don't want to I don't want to you know say your age in front of everyone, but I was in high school in the, in the year two thousand with Bush versus Gore, and it became everyone became an expert on hanging chads. So. No, that won't be a problem this time, but I hope you're wrong. Hope you're wrong. Uh,
1: we can say it. I was nine years old, so I remember it very, very vaguely.
0: All right. Oh, okay. That wasn't that was. was so bad. I was in high school. It was before we had social media, so you only were talking to your friends the good and the people old days. you know, so you couldn't get too heated, but uh, yeah. Well, let's not talk about the unpleasantness uh, necessarily of the process. Let's talk about... The two big candidates themselves of course uh donald trump and joe biden so uh we'll talk about what donald trump might do if he wins and what joe biden might do if he wins uh, but first let's just remind everyone about uh, president trump his record on life his promises and what he did with those so i think we have to start obviously with the supreme court that's why a lot of people voted for him that's why the pro-life movement is so heavily invested in presidential races, is because of course every abortion law has to be essentially cleared by the Supreme Court because of how Roe versus Wade is and Doe versus Bolton. So, Trump, you know, Emily, a lot of people back in 2016 uh, would say that, you know, are you sure Donald Trump's pro-life? And and actually, I will say that we knew somebody uh who knew him and so we had a good idea that he was you know he wasn't fibbing on that but there was of course the question you know who would he stick with how would his uh supreme court nominations work and he answered those questions by giving out a list it's kind of unprecedented but of course there was uh, anton scalia's death and that was an election issue and he really stepped up and filled his promises on that and emily people were kind of laughing at us and we said he might have Uh, I forget if we said two to three, or probably we said three or four appointments uh, during his presidency, and in the first term, we already got three. So, amazing. And three justices nominated to the Supreme Court. All three went through. Not without a few speed bumps.
1: Well, (laughs) speed bumps is a kind way to put it, but we won't go through that misery again.
0: Well, yeah, we'll just end with this one. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett justice you know there were a few crazy stories about her children and whatnot that we had talked about in the podcast but they weren't even in the room they they couldn't even sit there they left the room and they just let her win it's kind of amazing to me uh we were telling people i mean i told people it was going to be bork times thomas and it was it wasn't even bork no so that's a win that's a huge win Uh, Some other things that Donald Trump has done, Um, we'll talk about one that people bring up as a promise that didn't get fulfilled, and uh, of course, I'm not going to say that's his fault. I'm going to blame John McCain, sort of. So uh, he promised to defund Planned Parenthood. Now, he did that through Title X, which the law says shouldn't be going to abortion uh, to go provide abortions, and Planned Parenthood is an abortion provider. And so he, uh, basically told his executive agency, uh, the executive branch to enforce title 10 laws written. And so he did defund, he was the first president to defund Planned Parenthood at home, really in any capacity, um, directly. And so that was great with the, his, uh, protect life rule. However, um, he didn't, most of Planned Parenthood's government funding is through Medicaid and he can't touch that without changing the law. And uh, the Republicans in the Senate, the the Republicans in the House voted to do that. The Republicans in the Senate came so close. uh, They were one vote away. And that was when John McCain wrote in at the last minute to sink that. And that's because that was tied up with uh, a repeal of Obamacare. And John McCain didn't like uh, repealing Obamacare. And so Planned Parenthood was connected to that. He voted against it. And... um, and they lost before they could go back to the table and figure out an alternative. Uh, the voters in Alabama in the primary decided to go with crazy Roy Jones. Uh, Roy Jones? Roy Moore. Roy Moore. Not the boxer. The uh, <laughs> the, the judge. Uh, judge Roy Moore, uh, who lost, uh, wasn't Trump's pick. He picked uh, Luther Strange. And so, if everyone would have listened to Trump, we would have defunded uh, Planned Parenthood, but Alabama vomer, uh, voters chose otherwise. And, of course, Doug Jones uh, won that seat, and Doug Jones supports abortion. Therefore, Planned Parenthood wasn't defunded. So, that is a, a, it's a mark against him. Um, he has uh, vocally spoke. That's a mark not against Donald Trump. No. I should say that's his one promise unfulfilled.
1: But he came close.
0: He came close within... Within John McCain, yeah, within the width of John McCain, um, he spoke about abortion. Obviously, during the debate with Hillary Clinton, I think it's the first time in a presidential debate an abortion procedure has actually been described. Uh, he, he went. He's the first president to go to the March for Life and speak. Others have, you know, pre-recorded messages. He actually spoke live one year, and then actually attended the next. That's huge, isn't it, Emily?
1: It's amazing, actually. Um, I remember I watched it live on stream while I was sitting in a car because I was so excited about the fact that the president was actually attending and speaking at the March for Life. So um, it was cold and I didn't have the heat on so I was kind of freezing in the car a little bit but it was well worth it to just, to, just to see that here's a president who's not just talking to talk, he's walking the walk.
0: It was great hearing him live, even though I uh, I got bounced from doing a media interview by the Secret Service. Uh, but that's a long story. Um, it was it was great, and I don't know Emily, but well, I'll give you my idea. You know why was President Trump the first president to really embrace the pro life movement as an asset um, rather than a liability? Uh, I guess. Ronald Reagan, you know, spoke a lot about abortion, so maybe it's not fair to say that about him. But you never got the sense when uh, Romney or McCain or or Bush or Dole or Bush or any of them really thought of the pro-life movement as anything other than a liability in their election race or maybe a quiet. I think George W. Bush and Karl Rove understood that they were a group to appeal to But not a a strength, and so why was Donald Trump able to do that? I think because one of the virtues that he has, and yes, he does have virtue, uh, um, not as many as Joe Biden, I guess. You know that because Joe Biden never like swears on camera. Right? Oh wait, he did that. Joe Biden never has any money. Oh wait, he has the anyway, anyway. He has the virtue of courage, and that is certainly a virtue without which the other virtues don't really go exercise. Because if you don't have uh, the courage to do these other things and be virtuous in these other ways, it does isn't going to matter. And I think because he has the courage to stick to his guns, um, I think that he showed and he should show any politicians that uh, people who oppose abortion like us, there's a lot of us. Uh, we certainly care how you're going to make decisions, and we vote accordingly. And we are a strength. And I know in Michigan, we talk about all the time. We do so much grassroots voter outreach. Um, at least in, you know, in Michigan, I think a lot of people understand that uh, we get people to the polls. It's not that our issue gets people, takes people away from the polls. And you look at Gallup polls, show that more people vote uh, on the abortion issue as a single issue. There's more pro-lifers. Than there are people who support abortion so that's why i think any anything else to add
1: um i mean yes the courage the courage is probably the key there i would also add that um what else could they say about him at this point <laughs> um it i think a lot of the time especially politicians on when it comes to the pro-life issue uh, there's there's that timidness there because they know that the pro-abortion segment who has a lot of money and a lot of power? Um, they're going to attack you on any grounds that they can find to discredit you and to discourage you. And up until President Trump, that worked um, in in our politicians. There were there were always a few um, who would stick out now and then and actually stick to their guns. But um, yeah, at this point, it's it's just uh, it's a good example for us pro-lifers that you know um we're gonna be we're gonna be attacked our reputations they're gonna say awful things about us but life is worth it and if we're doing the right thing then which i believe that we are um i think defending human life is one of the best things we can do on this planet um then you know what bring it on because uh, life is worth it
0: yeah Uh, Just a couple more things to detail. I mean, he's made numerous other judicial appointments, Uh, all all of them. I can't say 100% of them, but all all of them on a whole, very good. Uh, His administration has made conscience protections a uh, center point, and not just protecting them, but following up on them, which is always the key. And where he separates himself from a lot of administrations is he has taken policies and procedures that uh, previous pro-life administrations have put in place and he has expanded them and he has made sure that they are being followed up through enforcement. That includes especially the Mexico City policy which bans funding of uh, providing and promoting abortions overseas. Um, He has expanded that policy to cover uh, more of the little pots of money that the government sends out through foreign aid. He has done it the conscious rights, he's done that through um, biotechnical research so uh, he has made sure that um, there's a panel at the National Institutes of Health now that's examining funding research that involves tissue taken from aborted babies. Uh, the la- the they they're just instituted in this last go-round, and they only approved one project, and that was to fund an alternative um, using already existing uh, samples of fetal tissue. And so he's done that all these little details. He's defended, cru- crucially, he's defended the Hyde Amendment, even while Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in the, the House have a majority and want to get rid of it, have said that they would get rid of it. He's made sure that stays there, which bans tax funding of most abortions. And that is the, probably the one policy that has the most impact on the number of abortions uh, based on our history in Michigan, from what we've seen. So it's a great record, Emily. So let's talk now about what, Joe Biden would do if he's elected and where that would go. So um, there's three scenarios I kind of want to paint for you. The first one would be, let's say Biden wins and he's going to follow his old boss, President Obama's lead, uh, but he doesn't have the U.S. Senate. Um, so he doesn't have a majority in the U.S. Senate. He can't do whatever he wants. He's got to work with him. So uh, he's going to try to do something on health care and that's definitely going to include funding of abortion, uh, that probably won't be successful. Uh, The Hyde Amendment, if the Senate is there, they're going to defend it, but he might set up a government shutdown fight where uh, the Hyde Amendment becomes a sticking point, and he's going to try to make an argument that see, you know, they're going to shut down the whole government uh, just to stop funding for abortion, even though he's the one uh, on the attack on that issue. Uh, He could do that. Uh, He's going to immediately rescind the Mexico City policy, which is an executive order. He's going to rescind the Protect Life Rule, refunding Planned Parenthood's Title 10 family planning money. Um, he's going to have control of the federal bureaucracy. I mean, already you can see Trump kind of at war with his own bureaucracy at times. Uh, he's going to have them all on his side, and they're going to be led by abortion advocates. So conscience protections that exist by law for pro-life doctors, nurses and others aren't necessarily going to be enforced. We saw that with Obama. Uh, U.S. attorneys are going to be fired, and they're not going to enforce pro-life laws. Uh, We saw that with Obama. The IRS is going to target Biden's opponents. Uh, Just like now, I mean, we're not saying that we know that's going to happen, but that's what Obama's IRS did with Lois Lerner, uh, preventing opposition groups from forming and getting uh, tax status resolved. And I don't understand why that would be any different under a Biden administration, especially with Kamala Harris his vice president being the real president, possibly. Um, You just look at her track record in California. You know, she raided the house of a pro-life undercover journalist just to burnish her credentials in an election race with Planned Parenthood. So if she's going to take such a dim view of the First Amendment, you know, just for an election, uh, when she actually believes that it matters in terms of a result, I mean, I don't like the idea of Kamala Harris being in charge of the irs and the fbi and our intelligence services which as we see in the trump administration have no compunction certain elements within it about spying against political enemies which to me is should be the biggest scandal in politics uh, ever but and seemingly in these last four years have just been i don't know glossed over and ignored yeah um that's if there's a pro-life senate What happens if Joe Biden has a pro-life or has a pro-abortion Senate majority? Well, he can do whatever he wants. He can pass whatever law. So that means they're going to do Obamacare again. It's going to include taxpayer funding of abortion. The Hyde Amendment is going to go away. Your money will pay for abortions, perhaps every abortion in the United States of America, all 860,000 of them a year. And that number might start increasing again uh, because once you fund, when you make. When you pay for something, you get more of it. I mean, that's not I that shouldn't be surprised to anyone how that works. Um, he's promised to make Roe versus Wade the law of the land. Do you know exactly what that means?
1: It sounds like passing laws to because um, Roe versus Wade right now is just saying that states can't enforce their pro their pro-life laws and their restrictions on abortion. Whereas if you make Roe versus Wade law, that would write into the federal legal system the right to an abortion, um, which would in fact then just not put an injunction against all pro-life laws, which say, which if Roe versus Wade is ever overturned, states' laws are back in effect. But it would make it so that federally, the federal government would be overriding the voices of the people in every single state in the union.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to see if he can follow through with that or what uh, Supreme Court now with the 6-3, uh, well, I don't yeah. know, I'm sure a lot of people don't want to call John Roberts a conservative anymore, but um, uh, that would be interesting to see what happens with that. And yeah, he could repeal conscience protections, not just have them go unenforced, but just outright repeal them. So if you're a pro-life doctor or a nurse and you want to go to medical school, you're going to have to be trained in abortion. Or your school could lose their federal funding. Or you you're a
1: nonprofit that. like the Little Sisters of the little Poor. Little Sisters
0: of the Poor. You have to fund, uh, you know, you, if you're, if yeah, if one of your employees must go have an abortion, you have to go pay for it. Um, he could threaten pro life states by withholding federal funds if they don't uh, get rid of any of their pro life laws. Uh, you know, if they control the purse strings and all the power, um, that's a big problem. Now, what they won't control obviously is Supreme court. So right now there's only three votes on the Supreme court that will do whatever the abortion industry wants. So John Roberts may not have a lot of courage, but he is not in the back pocket of planned parenthood. Three judges. Absolutely are, um, Elena Kagan, Sonia Mayor and Stephen Breyer. I always mix up Stephen Breyer and David Souter. I got it right today. All right. Um, if he packs the court, so I know there's been a little confusion on that, you know, and people not quite understanding. So packing the court is what FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, threatened to do. And that is where you just add justice to the Supreme Court, who are friends of yours, and then you can get whatever result you want at the court. Um, That sounds bad, right, Emily?
1: It sounds like making a super (laughs) legislator is how... uh how uh, Senator Mike Lee puts it, where instead of our elected officials in the House and in the Senate making laws on our behalf as our system is designed, it means that a body of unelected individuals um, would essentially dictate the laws of the nation.
0: And that's scary. That should scare everybody. Um, So that means not only you know, in a situation, you know, can Biden try to overrule pro-life state laws with federal laws? Can he have them, uh, can he threaten states with a Supreme Court absolute majority? They can overturn Roe versus Wade from the other side, instead of basing it as this nebulous right to privacy, uh, basing it as equal protection under the law. So in other words, any pro-life law would be effectively uh, legal discrimination against women. Uh, so bans on taxpayer funding of abortions in states like Michigan, that would be uh, unfair to women. That would have to go. Parallel uh, 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 consent laws, um, informed consent laws, ultrasound, ultrasound, ultrasound laws, laws, any late-term abortion bans, abortion clinic regulations. They could even say that you can't go license, inspect an abortion facility like you would, say, you know a regular surgical clinic or even an outpatient facility. They just can do whatever they want.
1: Or even abortion procedure bans, like the por- partial birth abortion bans. Um, those could be in danger.
0: Yeah, so uh, a, a packed Supreme Court by Joe Biden could do whatever it wants, and and that means overturning every pro-life law. And let me talk about one, one more quick thing before we get into a more happy uh, scenario. Uh, And that is a lot of pro-life people might tell themselves, well, you know, culture is just totally downstream from politics. And, um, you know, that's okay because we we can still do pregnancy centers. We can still do sidewalk counseling. You know, we can still reach these women. We can show them that we care and save lives. Um, And I'm not uh, downplaying uh, sidewalk counseling or... Uh pregnancy center, certainly as a volunteer and a donor to uh, both of those, um, although I have not actually sidewalk counsel, I shouldn't say I'm a sidewalk counselor volunteer, because I've never actually done sidewalk counseling. But anyway, uh, your first amendment depends on the Supreme Court defending it, because look at California, when they tried to force pregnancy centers in any advertisement that they did to literally include advertising for free abortions, care of the taxpayers. In other words, completely limiting the free speech rights of pregnancy centers. If they could get away with it in California, they wouldn't even let pregnancy centers that are pro-life operate. They would force them to refer for abortions specifically. If Joe Biden wins and he controls the Senate and they control the Supreme Court, you're not going to be able to run a pro-life pregnancy center. You know, you're not going to be able to do sidewalk counseling. You're going to get arrested if you go anywhere near an abortion clinic because they're going to pass a federal law or they're going to rule state laws that say that, you know, you can't go within 200 feet of an abortion facility or A-OK. There's going to be no limit on that. You know, that California law went to the Supreme Court and it had four votes in favor of totally disregarding the First Amendment. Four votes. You know, if they can pack the Supreme Court... I can guarantee you those justices that they add are totally going to be down for eliminating uh, the free speech rights of pro-lifers. So, as we say in an article we have on our blog, um, as we did in our pro-life update email, our weekly Thursday email, uh, we said that if Joe Biden wins and he controls the Senate, he packs the court, you're going to be a dissident. Not just uh, an opponent, not just a pro-life American citizen, but essentially a dissident. And you're not going to enjoy those rights that you just take for granted. Like you can go out and talk about a pro-life message with someone in Scotland right now, they're banning, you know, hate speech inside the home. You know, like you can't even have a conversation on the dinner table that the government doesn't like And, And I can tell you that, uh, the people who run Scotland are not ideologically that different from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So bad. Very bad. Very, very, very bad. Not just for the unborn babies, but for you, pro-life citizen. And maybe you have other views on other issues that we don't get into uh, that you might rather prefer to, you know, talk about without getting arrested or fined. So keep that in mind. Now, like, as we say, you may think we're being a little alarmist on that, but you had four votes in the Supreme Court that say pregnancy, pro-life pregnancy centers can't f- speak freely. That should be setting off alarm bells and klaxons in everyone's head big time of any political persuasion. All right. We just have a couple minutes left. So that's that scenario. Let's say Donald Trump wins and uh, he still has a pro-life Senate. It doesn't look like uh, a lot of people aren't thinking the pro-life or the Republicans are going to capture the house. So, uh, but they might. Um, if, I mean, if they do, he can do a lot more. He can He can follow through on defunding Planned Parenthood he can follow through on banning late-term abortions and all these other things. Um, if there's still Nancy Pelosi in the house for two more years then the next two years, what can he do? He can hit more pro-life judges, um, more pro-life Supreme court justices. If they, if there are any more vacancies, uh, which is, is critical. As we say, every pro-life law goes through the court. He continues to speak about abortion, Emily, Um, And that's important. And most of all, it preserves our ability as states uh, to do what we can to limit abortion. And it uh, makes sure that we have our Supreme Court majority that maybe, maybe not, we'll see overturn Roe v. Wade in the next few years. Uh, so, uh, which scenario do you prefer, Emily?
1: <laughs> I I prefer the President Trump is re-elected scenario, personally. Um, I I like having my First Amendment rights, and I like being able to to defend life. And I really like the fact that we have hundreds of thousands of pro-life people around the nation who are actively engaged in helping women in, in crisis pregnancies through... Crisis pregnancy centers, through adoption agencies, uh, through sidewalk counseling, and um, it would be a dark, dark time for our nation to to walk away from that and to penalize citizens for caring for one another.
0: And it, you know, it's sad that we've come to that, and it's sad that those issues have gotten so little attention um, in the course of the campaign. But I think a lot of people kind of understand it deep down um, is really interesting. I just saw a video from a lady who works from a very, uh, uh, you call a very liberal uh, private college, talking about just the culture on campus in terms of hiring and whatnot. And all these people who she would have thought were on her side uh, believe she's a, a horrible person uh, based on uh, issues of political correctness. And uh, you know, it's sad that we are seeing this, uh, f- you know, from the other side, how they reacted when they, they did in 2016, they thought Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. Nope. She didn't, um, she didn't go to Michigan. You know, this time they're not repeating that mistake, even though they're not really going anywhere and doing a lot of campaigning cause of the pandemic. Um, but you know, th- that is a serious concern. And, uh, as a pro-life citizen, it's not just the lives of the unborn. It's your own rights at stake. And I can, I can say without hyperbole that that's never been more of a case than on Tuesday. So we'll see what happens. Uh, whether it's a great result, a good result, a bad result, or a catastrophic result. Uh, we'll still be here on Wednesday. We still have a job to do. There's still unborn children at risk, no matter who wins. And we still have to be a pro-life voice every day. So, uh, we'll see and uh, we'll see you again in two weeks, and we'll cover the election, go through everything that happened. We'll revisit some of these scenarios based on what's happened to give you a little bit of certainty. I know I'd like a little certainty these days.
1: Wouldn't we all?
0: Wouldn't we all? (laughs) But uh, enjoy this fall weekend Michigan. We'll catch you again in a couple weeks.